0: It's time for Silver and Black Today, Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Gobranson and Mo Moten. It is Sunday. It is a football Sunday. Not for the Raiders, though. That's right. The Raiders, the 3-0 Las Vegas Raiders, they will be in action tomorrow night, Monday night, football on the national stage for the second time in four weeks. Hi, it's Scott Branson, joined by my partner, Mo Moton. This is Silver and Black Today, game day. Thank you again for being with us and listening to us uh, every week as we do here On the fan ninety eight point five in Las Vegas, and we are just celebrating, right? Or are you celebrating three and zero, Mo? um, You should be. That's right. Another (laughs) thrilling and maybe nail biting and heart heart attack inducing. Uh, overtime win last week, Sunday in Las Vegas, as the Raiders moved to 3-0 and and beat the Dolphins. And we said it last week, Mo, don't take the Dolphins lightly. This is professional football. Those guys get paid too. And sure enough, that Dolphins defense and the offense showed up. Jacoby Brissett didn't do too bad. This game, a lot of people, I thought from a fan perspective, were taking it a little lightly, but the Dolphins came out. The Raiders got behind early, but they showed that resiliency again, Mo. Yeah,
1: a lot of fans came in saying, oh, the Raiders have to hammer the Dolphins to make a statement. And I'm thinking the Dolphins are just blown out 35-0 at home. They're going to come out swinging because you don't want to be embarrassed consecutive weeks. Prideful team, great head coach Brian Flores. Uh, As you said, Jacoby Brissett had a gutsy effort. But, of course, the Raiders were able to come back and erase a 14-point deficit for the second time this season to go 3-0. So, again, as you said, to open the show, big reason to celebrate three and over for the Raiders
0: absolutely and I do want to say Mo because we're just going to call it out a little bit because um, Mo is currently having a greenhouse built on his apartment in New York City so he can grow avocados so if you hear some noises in the background uh, that's just them getting ready to plant the trees Uh <laughs> Sorry. We got to explain. He's he's right. We have to explain, though, too, because I make jokes about avocados with you on the show. And I realize that some people, if they're new to the show, might not understand your affinity for what is actually a fruit, the avocado uh, and and why I joke with it, because you are someone who really likes to drink avocado smoothies, correct?
1: I was trying to keep my avocado garden a secret, Scott. But as, <laughs> See, as you can hear it. from the drill in the background, yeah. I can't keep anything a secret around here between you and the guy drilling <laughs> the garden here. So just letting fans in on my home living stuff.
0: But, Mo, back to the Raiders now uh, and that game. I mean, th- the thing about it was they, again, started off slow on offense. And it was concerning. I know a lot of Raider fans were getting worried because, to your point, a lot of them felt like, okay, we have to prove that this team is good. We have to go out there... Uh, the fans said, and we have to kill them, like you said, we have to they I mean, they lost 35, nothing last week. But again, professional football, you never know, week in, week out. The Raiders struggled early, primarily again because they couldn't run the ball. Their offensive line, which has played good at times, struggled as well. Uh, talk about that first half a little bit and what we saw and why the Raiders found themselves in that 14 nothing hole.
1: Well, first of all, the car threw an interception, and a lot of people oh, were <laughs> quick to say, oh, oh, there it is. There's Derek Carr messing up. The- there he is throwing a pick. And, you know, some people said, Well, Foster Moreau should have kept running. I believe Derek Carr took blame after the game. He said he made the decision to throw the ball before Foster Moreau even made his decision. So yeah. he took fault for that. Raiders fell behind with that, with that interception for a touchdown at pick six. But I, I felt like. Watching Andre James snap the ball is like riding with a reckless driver. <laughs> Seriously, every time he snapped the ball in the first half, I was nervous. Now, yeah. of course, he settled down the second half, but between the offensive line, the snapping and car got drilled early. I believe he was sacked early, too. Uh, Brandon Jones, I, I believe, had two sacks in that game. But, it, you know, it, it didn't look good at the beginning. And and it started off slow, but that safety that Jacoby Brissett threw to, I believe, was Jaden Wallow in the end zone, and then Casey Hayward comes up with that tackle that turned the game around. You start to see the Raiders of of last week with the Pittsburgh Steelers just kind of controlling the game and staying into it, and and. And the offense pulling through to score some points.
0: And you know what? And and I I don't want anybody to take this wrong because the Raiders are a good team. I'm not saying they're not good. But the Raiders over the last two years, Mo, have been part of two of the worst plays I have ever seen called. Of course, the Jets (laughs) game last year on defense, which cost him his job too. And then secondarily... This, this, this pass in the end zone, I still don't understand how anybody in their right mind could think that that was a good play, uh, but they did it, and that's really, I think, what turned the, the, the tide for the Raiders, right. and sometimes it is better to be lucky than good, uh, but that's what you do, and that's the one thing I kept saying to people last week during that game was, look, sometimes you come out and, and you you face a game and you plan for it and everything's good and then you get out there and things don't go your way. So you have to find ways to win and that's a perfect example of that and that means playing through difficulties like Andre James still needing training wheels at center, right? Because that's what it reminded me of as a kid on training wheels and they're all wobbly and they don't know if they can, if they can balance it out. Um, but they got through that. They protected him for the most part but like you said too, Derek Carr has been hit hard as well but he's standing in the pocket he is not crumbling we, a lot of people criticized him in previous years mo for crumbling in the pocket when he felt the pressure man when he feels the pressure now he's staying in there and he's delivering good passes even in the face of it and
1: that's the difference between Derek Carr now and previous years i believe in previous years when defenders would get to him he i, I don't want to say crumble <laughs> cuz that may sound yeah, a little harsh it sounds people, bad it's not
0: like he's giving yeah. up but he but he he definitely yeah. didn't deal with the pressure as well
1: Right, and people say he he would get happy feet and kind of get rid of the ball before he had to. Del Rio alluded to this, that he sometimes... Perceives pressure that isn't there mm-hmm. and this year he's he is getting hit behind the pocket but as you said he's still standing up tall and he's still delivering passes downfield, accurate deep balls at that
0: which leads me to my next discussion which I want to have with you which is about Derek Carr you wrote a piece last week talking about the offense and talking about Carr and then I, I, I it, to me it was relevant again because you spoke in that piece up on VegasSportsToday.com and then I wrote one uh, in the middle of the week this week basically saying the same thing just expanding a little bit on it based on last game, which was that there are fans out there and even some observers who get paid to watch football who are saying, well, yeah, of course, Derek Carr is doing better. He's got a better... He's got a better defense, and his receivers are finally getting open. But I, I, you and I agree on this. That is selling him short. Derek Carr, to me, is the reason the team is 3-0. and And to, to talk about the pocket presence, to talk about how he's dealing with pressure, I mean, Mo, go through the list again of why this is a completely different situation. And you can't just say, well, yeah, Derek Carr's receivers are getting open, and oh, he's got a great defense, but he's the same quarterback he's always been
1: the one point i want to bring out and i think you also pointed this out and i had a i had a basically a, a small mini chart and i and i had intended air yards which is when the ball travels through the air how far it travels through the air when a quarterback throws a pass Derek carr is now at 9.1 which is his highest mark under yeah. john good i believe 2018 was 6.7 then 6.3 in 2019 then 8.2 in 2020 9.1 this year so he is improved in the sense where he's Throwing more deep balls, he, he's always had a, an accurate deep pass, but he just needed to do it a lot more, and he's doing that this year. He's more aggressive. He obviously trusts his receivers, and I think that comes with a full offseason together with, with Ruggs and Edwards. So there's chemistry there. So he's 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 okay with – he's willing to throw the ball downfield and go for the 20-hour pass instead of the check down. I believe in your article you said you can no longer call him a check down Charlie, yeah. and I believe that was pretty accurate in your description.
0: Yeah, no. I, and that's the thing. Look, I know there's some people who will never like Derek Carr. I've always joked uh, and maybe it's not the most appropriate joke, but I said I always say he could cure cancer and AIDS in the same day and people would still hate him. Right. And so I, I think there's people and I, I know people who I trust, season ticket holders, listeners of the show over the last four years who message me during games and they say, uh, no, just wait, just wait. It's going to just wait. He'll he'll blow it. He'll blow it. And, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not saying Derek Carr won't have a bad game this year because most quarterbacks do. I mean, you saw Aaron Rodgers have some tough times early in the season already. Of course, he came out on Sunday Night Football and had a great game. But nonetheless, my point is, is that Derek Carr is doing things this year that show you is confident. And I pointed out in my piece, too, Mo, that during the, 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 the preseason, during camp, they did an interview on Raiders.com. And, 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 and Carr said, listen, my mind is free this year. He said, I have a freedom in my head that I've not had before. And you kind of look at that and you say, oh, well, maybe it's just kind of blah, whatever. He's just being, he's giving somebody a good quote. But in reality, I see it. I see in his face I see in how he leads on the field the differences. After watching him for four years every single game, there is that freedom. There is that, hey, I know this. This is mine. I got it. And, oh, by the way, I also now have built trust with Henry Ruggs. I've built trust with Brian Edwards, who's just come in and done an amazing job. And, of course, you have Darren Waller, who's already there, and then Hunter Renfro. So that all together... To me, he says, look, Derek Carr is on that precipice of being an elite quarterback this year. I'm not calling Derek Carr one of the best to ever play the game. I'm not saying that. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is right now, he's there.
1: He's absolutely there. And I think and I think a lot of other fans have pointed this out. fourth year in the same offensive system yeah. makes a difference. And in previous years, Derek Carr, just focusing on that offensive line, previous years, he's had a veteran offensive line. He's doing it with some young guys. And as I said in, in the previous show, Jermaine luminar who's just who just got there a couple of weeks a few weeks ago so he's not being propped up by a veteran offensive line that gives him elite pass protection as we said he's he's getting hit and he's still delivering strikes so you got to give him credit for that and that's where he's different he still has that unwavering he has that unwavering comf- confidence this year
0: yeah and you made the point on this show last last week that's been echoing in my head all week too as I was watching that game on Sunday in preparation now for the Chargers on Monday is the fact that development that they're developing those guys they're developing Brandon Parker who plays well not that n- anybody had I mean Colton Miller had two boneheaded plays on Sunday right it happened happens to everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. But overall, the development on that offensive line is a reason that Derek Carr can be free in the pocket because he knows at times he's got the space. And when it breaks down, he's got the confidence in his guys and in himself to go downfield and to do that. So it, it's really remarkable. And I just want people and people know from listening to me the last four years on the radio that I've never been Overly hyped about Carr, and I've never been overly negative about Carr when when he hasn't played well. I've been objective about it, as have you, and I'm just telling you, I'm incredibly impressed. If he sustains this, I mean, even if he sustains it for uh, three quarters of the season, it it bodes well for the Raiders, and I think it's something that the fans should be very happy about. And, Mo, here's the one thing I didn't tell you about this week, though, that we got to talk about now, which is I went online... Over the last couple weeks, you ready for this? And I got my psychology degree in football fandom. But um, <laughs> I got it because here's the thing. I've always said it, despite some Raider fans who've never accepted me because I grew up a Charger fan. Um, but but I've Uh-oh. always said that Raider fans are the best. They're so passionate. There's nobody who loves their football team who believes in the culture of Raider Nation because it is a culture. But I've just been so surprised by how how little excitement and like satisfaction with some Raider fans that the team is three, and zero. like it, 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 I have to use an analogy and excuse me, cause I've been a married guy for a long time, but I'm going to go back to my single days. <laughs> Imagine Mo, if you go into a bar and you're, you're, you're looking for a day, you're looking for a girl and three out of five times you, um, you, you go out and you, Meet a girl and hey, you get her phone number and then you end up uh, having a date, right? Or if let's say you went in three times in a row and three times you walk out with a phone number, you'd feel pretty good about that, wouldn't you? I mean, I would. Uh, And so that's that's the analogy I'm using. Like Raider Nation, I understand the rug's been ripped out from you before, so you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. We saw that on Twitter during the game, Mo. But at the same time, I think Raider fans, you're not going to go undefeated. I'm pretty sure, but nonetheless. Enjoy the three and O. Why why aren't people enjoying it more?
1: First of all, those three girls that I get better love avocado smoothies. That's number one.
0: <laughs> number two, but no,
1: seriously, honestly, though, I I feel the same cautious optimism you do, and mm-hmm. I think it just com- comes from a you know a lot of disappointment, of course, over the last two years. So I kind of get it, but I just feel like fans need to enjoy three and oh more instead of worrying about was this team a real test for us? Was that team a real test for us? Because all I know is that the Raiders were 8-8 eight and eight last year with three games out of a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. You win these games however you can win them, whether the team is not a real test, whether the team is 0-2, 1-2, 1-1, doesn't matter. They just need to stack wins enough to get themselves to the playoffs, and that's all that matters. Not what, you know, was this team a good team or a bad team when they played them.
0: Right, and, and I, you know, you're looking at the, the, the NFL power rankings that are put out by all sorts of people, some more reputable than others. And for the most part, the Raiders are are, are ranked, I think, consistently fifth, which is a remarkable, right? That's great. Um, there's some that had them at seventh and eighth behind the Ravens, and that caused some angst amongst Raider Nation. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I understand people—I people, always get in these little Twitter arguments—not arguments, discussions, because it's all good people— about like, what are you looking for? Like, who cares? (laughs) Who cares what the national media says? Remember, if this, and I made this analogy to you before off the air, if this was 1985 and it was Sports Illustrated, the Raiders would probably be on the cover. But now we live in a world where it's a 12 hour or less media cycle. So they're going to go give the Raiders credit, but then they move on and give somebody else credit because there's a different story and you need more clicks from Chiefs fans and you need more clicks uh, from whoever, from Packers fans. So you keep going, right? So to me, people just have to enjoy it and, and realize that, hey, you go out, you earn the respect. If you go out and beat the Chargers tomorrow night in L.A., trust me. There's going to be a lot more love coming because the Raiders will have proven for four straight weeks uh, that they can win tough games, uh, especially two on the road. If they go down and beat the Chargers, I know it's going to be a Raider home game because it'll be 75% Raider fans. Uh, or more. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's um, that's something I just wanted to say because I think, Raider Nation, you deserve it. You deserve good times. And I think that uh, you need to sit back and do that. All right, we're actually up against our first break already. It's crazy. We've gone through uh, one part of the show already. When we come back, we're going to be joined. We're going to talk Chargers with Gavino Borquez from Chargers Wire to give this silver and black today game day on the Fan FanLoss Day. Where the Nation rallies every week of the NFL season. It's Silver and Black Today, Game Day. All right, it is Sunday morning. That's right. This is the place to be. This is your Raiders pregame show. Usually, yes, the game's tomorrow night, not today but that doesn't mean we're not here on Silver and Black Today game day here on The Fan in Las Vegas. Mo and Scott Colbranson with you, getting you ready for the big AFC West showdown. The Raiders, the Chargers down in SoFi, which I know Raider fans consider their second home. They're going to be down there. And Mo, did you see, by the way, there was some, I think it was from SeatGeek or one of those, those secondary ticket sales sites that said that the Raiders... Tickets, or should say the Chargers tickets are really Raiders tickets because they're projecting 74% of the tickets bought for the game will be from Raiders fans.
1: You know what's so funny about that? Vic Tabor from the Athletics said that's it. <laughs> He's expecting maybe an 85-15% uh ratio there. I would probably agree with him on that one. Let's just wait for the numbers to pile in on that one because it might be a few late stragglers coming in for that. So Well, but you know I, I mean, I believe it.
0: Yeah, I believe it too. I think it could be higher, but I will say this. I look, the Chargers are coming off that big win at Kansas City, and we all know that there's not a lot of Charger fans, period, but I can see front-running fans suddenly wanting to go to the game because it's like, "Wait a minute. Chargers just beat the Chiefs. They're coming home." Right at two and one, they're facing the Raiders who are three and oh, who've had two games go into overtime. You know, a lot of people know what's going on with the Raiders and L.A. is a Raider town. uh, And that's why we have a show down there, too, on Friday nights, by the way. So so the the idea that there could be some more Charger fans or whatever they are, fans that are in Charger jerseys uh, out there to me wouldn't be surprising. Uh, but there's no denying, Mo, that this game in week four of this NFL season has a playoff feel to it because not only do you have your normal AFC West matchup, the Chargers are now 1-0 in the division. They beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are 3-0. and They've yet to play a divisional game. How big is this when you start to think, look, the Raiders are set up nicely. They've now beat, right? They beat those three AFC teams already in the wider conference and that has playoff implications and now they're going with a divisional game against the chargers on the road um this has all the feel of a playoff game in my view
1: yeah i agree with you on that one no disrespect to the denver broncos but their opponents none of their opponents have won a game yet true so I would view this game between the Chargers and the, and the Raiders as whoever wins this game, you're going to look at as the best team in the division. Even if the Broncos beat the Ravens, people are probably still going to be skeptical. But I think I think now people are starting to come around the Raiders and say, okay, maybe the Raiders are for real. Now, if they go beat the Chargers, you just say, okay, they're the top of that division. If the Chargers win, they beat the Raiders in a good game, then you say, okay, Justin Herbert's the real deal, as we as many people are already saying, and they're the best in the division. Regardless, again, no disrespect to any Broncos fans who may be listening to this. Uh, show, but uh, just looking at the strength of schedule and the opponents these two teams have played, you got to look at the raising and Charges at the one and two right
0: now. Well, Raider fans would say you don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't respect Bronco fans, but but we're objective on this yeah. show, so we try to show respect yeah. to everybody. I
1: try to be, I try to be fair. <laughs> but you
0: bring up something too, and I talked about earlier in the show about Raider fans need to enjoy the three and O uh, and and some of the other things about Derek Carr and how that. But the other thing is too, there's the, 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 I call it a meme, but it's just a graphic actually. actually. Actually, where it shows okay, the Raiders, and they should take pride in this, and Raider fans should be really really excited about it, that the Raiders have now become the first team to go three-0 to start a season, beating teams that won 10 games last year. All three of them, right? And then they use the Broncos statistics from this year that say the Broncos are three-0, but they've beat teams to your point that you said it, they're 0-9. But I would argue that just like in politics, how things are misused all the time with statistics, the Raiders, if you look at the teams this year that they've played, and they've all been quality wins, don't get me wrong, but those teams are four and five this year. So if you can do apples to apples, let's do that. But I do think, Mo, that this Charger team that they're going to face down in L.A. uh, tomorrow night they are probably from a from an offense defense and and balance perspective probably the most balanced team they've played. I mean, I guess you could say Baltimore when they're clicking and they don't lose three running backs in a practice uh, might be closer to that too. But would you disagree with any of that? No, I wouldn't
1: disagree. If you look at just the names on both sides of the ball, as we all know, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen, who I ranked. As a top wide receiver duo through through September over on Bleacher Report, mm-hmm. they're having a great year together. And on the other side of the ball, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, if he's healthy. Nassir Adderley is coming along very well. They still have Chris Harris Jr. over there. So it's, it's, as you said, they have a balanced roster on both sides of the ball, and the Raiders are going to face a real – as fans – with I guess say a real test not to disrespect (laughs) the Ravens either but I I felt like that was a tough game as well but this is probably the, the game that you're looking at saying okay if the Raiders win this game then there's no doubt that they're for real.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And you look at this Charger team, Mo, let's talk a little bit about them. Of course, it starts on offense in the NFL. The quarterback is the most important position on the field. So we start with Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert, a lot of people last year, especially Raider fans, their their kind of mantra was, well, okay, yeah, he had a good year. Uh, He's a rookie of the year offensively and all that kind of stuff. But you got to do it again. Come on, let's go. So far in this season, he has shown, especially in this Kansas City game, not only has he continued what we saw last year, but he looks like to. he's been more accurate. He's been mastering that offense more uh, with a new head coach, a new system, uh, and it seems as though this guy has ice water in his veins. I mean, you look at what he did in Kansas City, how he took that team down there and how Brandon Staley took Um, gambling I mean he just took options that were crazy and you get down on the goal line instead of running the ball up and getting in and winning the game with a field goal you start throwing the ball around to Mike Williams what is it about Justin Herbert that you've seen from year one into year two that shows that he's not going to let down we're not going to see a sophomore slump
1: yeah he's got some accuracy and he's not going to miss a lot of easy passes Um, the Raiders going to have to be on point Trayvon Mullen Casey Hayward, who's been playing at a top level for the first three weeks, and Nate Hobbs, they're gonna have to be on their P's and Q's because as I mentioned, with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen out there, Jalen Guyton, who's a speedster, Justin Herbert's not gonna miss a lot of passes. So you're gonna have to get your hand on the ball. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have the crowd receivers. Uh, I don't know, you're gonna have to get pressure, of course, which the Raiders have done through the first three weeks. And if they can do that, I think I believe they can get him off his mark. And maybe make them drive a long field. Don't give him a short field because then he'll, he'll capitalize he'll make you pay. But if you give him a long field and hope that he makes a mistake here and there, because all, that's all it takes. One tip pass, mm-hmm. one tip ball, that's all it takes. A, a turnover here and there, the Raiders can get it going and, and take advantage of that. And hopefully they can because he's not going to give them a lot of margin for error.
0: Last week, Mo, you wrote about the Raiders and the fact that you know with Josh Jacobs out and with that offensive line still a patchwork offensive line and sometimes it's doing really well and other times it struggles, uh, you talked about the Raiders needing that short passing game. The Chargers are doing the same thing. You look at Austin Eckler last week against the Chiefs, 15 targets, 15 receptions uh, in the past two games uh, for this Chargers team. They're sort of doing a little bit of the same thing, aren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Austin Eckler's always been that type of player. He's not a guy who's going to get you 1,200 yards. He's not a not a big guy. I believe 5'10", about 200 pounds. But he will hurt you in a short mm-hmm. passing game. And that's very similar to what the Raiders have done with Kenyon Drake through the th- first three weeks. Uh, We'll see if they match each other. They marry each other on Monday. And that would be a duel to watch. But with Austin Eckler, I, I believe you just got it. The linebackers have to be ready. This is where you might miss a Nick Morrow hitting his speed yeah. down in the second level of the defense. But the Raiders uh, linebacker has been playing well. So KJ Wright has to step up. Nick Kwiatkowski has to step up. Corey Littleton, this is the game that he's going to have to be on point because Austin Eckler, he can split out wide, catch okay. out of the backfield. You need a sideline-to-sideline linebacker to track that down and shut it
0: down. Yeah, that's Littleton's strength, too. I mean, that's one of the things we talked about over the last couple weeks that he does so well is drop back into coverage. That's one of the reasons you got him because he's a sideline-to-sideline guy, and with Eckler out there, they're going to have to key in on them and do that. Um, You look at the defensive side of the ball, Mo, now as we switch sides. uh, Joey Bosa, again, you know, just playing lights out. Against the Chiefs, he had 10 pressures, a half a sack, and two hits on Mahomes. He did sprain his foot, but he was a full participant in practice uh, outside of the beginning of the week where he was just taking some uh, treatment on that. But he's having a good season already, which bodes well for the Chargers. Then at linebacker, you have Drew Tranquil, who's come, you know, a guy that was a highly touted prospect out of college, got hurt after his first year, last year, you know, didn't play at all, comes out, was off used, it wasn't used very often, I should say, early on this season, but he comes alive against Kansas City, and then you got your guy Derwin James on the back end. This Charger defense is formidable. What are Derek Carr and that offense going to have to do in order to put up some points against this Chargers team?
1: Yeah. Don't, first of all, don't be afraid to push the ball in our field. It's mm. worked with, it's, thus far. Don't be afraid to push the ball. I know you rattled off some some good names, uh, some Pro Bowl players in that list, but... Continue to do what worked. Even against some formidable defenses, the Raiders have had some success through the air. Don't change the game plan. I understand the Chargers have a a poor run game, but you want to have some balance there, and you want to challenge those guys on the back end because you don't want the defenders to cheat. You don't want the defenders to play low the box to stop the run, and you have your receivers running wide open. So what I will say is that you want to balance attack. Maybe test the rookie, Asante Samuel Jr. I know he's having a pretty good year. But see where he's at in, in, in his first game in bright lights. Find out how good is he going to be uh, covering Hunter Renfro, who's I've been touting before the season started. That he's one of the best <laughs> route runners in the league. I say he's the best, one of the best slot receivers in the league, and people kind of laughed at me about that. Now they're, they're rethinking that and saying, you know what, Mo? You were right about Hunter Renfro. <laughs> I'm sure Jalen Ramsey would agree with me.
0: Yeah, he would. He sure. He sure would. Uh, and and by the way, Hunter Renfro, I picked him to have the most touchdowns last year of any receiver for the Raiders, and that didn't end up be true. But you don't have to score touchdowns to have a major impact on the game, which we've seen from Hunter Renfro, Although he does get his share. Uh, but Mo, you look at the 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 matchups there. Between that Raiders offense and the defense up front with that offensive line, uh, Joey Bosa, I I expect him to see to see him move around a little bit. The Chargers clearly know what they're dealing with there. Um, That that center to quarterback exchange with Andre James pressuring up the middle there. uh, How important is that going to be? I mean, you're going now into week four. We saw it really become a problem in week three I mean Andre James was snapping the ball high the entire first half and even a little bit of the second half uh, how important is that going to be if if Carr's going to have to get the ball out quicker because of that pass rushers of the Chargers
1: yeah he's he's got to settle in early Andre James and I and that he I he makes me nervous every time he snaps <laughs> the ball but if he could just keep it steady and he also has to hold his ground because at the point of attack he he's He's been taken advantage of if you watch the film. So guys like Jerry Tillery, who's on the inside, Linval Joseph is not really a pass rusher, but he's a strong defensive tackle who could stop the run and, and kind of push around a, a, a light center. Those two guys, that's going to be a key matchup with Andre James on the inside. Andre may need some help, but if he can't settle down, that could spell trouble for Carr on the interior, which would probably flush Carr to the outside into the arms of Joey Bosa. So you want to have your center hold his hold his weight. In the middle of the line, snap the ball, not high, not low, <laughs> but just right for car. So he can get the ball downfield or hand it off to Jacobs, Drake or even Barber.
0: Well, you talked about the the Raiders pushing, continuing to push the the, the ball downfield, and and obviously Carr has had an amazing... We spent the whole first part of the show talking about what Carr has done and why it's pretty incredible. But when you look at the game plan against the Chargers, knowing what they have on defense, yes, you still got to go vertical, but what else do they have to do? What adjustments are they going to have to make from what they've done in weeks one through three when they go down to SoFi uh, tomorrow and play this Chargers team?
1: It's you know what, I, like I said, I I don't want to tinker with what works, and mm-hmm. I know I did mention throwing the ball downfield, but I, I would say getting getting guys involved early and often, mm-hmm. uh, just just give the Chargers different looks because Brandon Staley, as we know, is a defensive mastermind. He had the number one defense last year with the Rams, but he's he is having issues with his with his run defense. He's he may tinker with it a little bit. He may tinker with his front a little bit. So we'll, we'll find out what that's about. But if you can just mix it up, and as I said, balance is, is the key. Don't get, don't fall in love with the run, don't fall in love with the pass. Give them some balance, give them some different looks, and and maybe catch catch a catch a cornerback sleeping, catch a cornerback on his heels. Maybe a guy's out of place, get a free play, uh, get Waller involved. Uh, Waller's been quiet the last yes, two games. I was going to bring that a, up. If he can have a big game, if he can give you not necessarily 100 yards, but two touchdowns, and and just dominate his matchup, I, I think the Rays will have a good chance to, to blow it open in the passing game.
0: Well, and much like a heavyweight boxing match, uh, we, we talked to Gilbert Menzano on our Friday show down in, in Southern California on the Mightier 1090, and we talked about Derwin James, and he had mentioned that we might see Derwin James mm-hmm. in coverage against Darren Waller. And to me, that would be fascinating. And I think that, I think you're right. Look, Derek Carr's done an amazing job of spreading the ball around, and it's worked. But I do think in a game like this, Division game on the road when you're going to have to come up with some big plays. I think you got to get Waller involved uh, and and you got to free him up any way you can.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, this is going to be I think this is going to be a quarterback duel. Mm. I mean, Derek Carr is playing at a very high level. Justin Herbert's playing at a high level. A lot of people are are debating who's the second best quarterback in the division behind Patrick Mahomes. Maybe that's debatable because now Patrick Mahomes is, I believe he's struggling a little bit with teams laying off the blitz, but that's a story for a different day. (laughs) But right now, we're just going to focus on Carr and Herbert. I think that's going to be, it's going to be a quarterback, duel. not to disrespect either defense. I think the defense will come up Both defenses will come up with some key plays, but it's going to come down to which quarterback is going to have the ball last and drive his team into the end zone for six points.
0: Absolutely. Um, It's going to be a fun one. And just a reminder on the show today, we have uh, coming up on a break here in about 45 seconds. When we come back, we're going to be joined by our good friend Brian Salmon from News 3. He's on his way to L.A. We're not, but he is, and he's going to be down there to cover the game, uh, which should be fantastic. And obviously, he's doing it on TV, so he's going to he's going to have a whole lot of Raider fans there with him. When Mo and I come back, we're going to be joined by by Brian. We're going to get his thoughts on tomorrow night's game and what the Raiders need to do in order to come back four and zero to Las Vegas. You are listening to Silver and Black today, Game Day only on the Fan here in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere. Silver and Black Today, game day is on. Welcome back. Here we are, the final leg of this Silver and Black Today game day here on The Fan in Las Vegas. And, Mo, uh, you know, usually we're on game day, right? We lead up to the game on Sunday, but not this week with the big Monday night game. Um, We are getting ready for tomorrow. And I know it's tough for Raider Nation, Mo, because – you got to sit there now all day Sunday. Usually, you get geared up, ready for a Raider game on Sunday. But now you got to wait till tomorrow.
1: Yeah, definitely a day's pause in between the game. But we got somebody who can bring the energy to sustain some of that energy until that Monday night game. Someone who's. Very, very, very into the Raiders. Gives you a lot of energy when he gets on here. So,
0: And and, and that's it. And, of course, that is uh, Brian Salmon, our guest here, News 3 in Las Vegas. He is going down today to Los Angeles to cover the big Monday night game between the Raiders and the Chargers. And, Brian, look, there's Mo, who's never done a regular radio show, who just did the perfect segue, as we call it, right, <laughs> into introducing the get- – look how good this guy's getting already
2: this guy oh, the sultan man. of segway mo
0: that's a new <laughs> nickname the sultan of segway the sultan that's so funny because i, I have i have called him the archduke of avocado cuz he likes avocado smoothies so now he's got another oh, title they're
2: terrible.
0: They're oh terrible. man Go ahead. oh terrible uh-oh mo he fired a shot he fired a shot.
2: Uh, but,
0: <laughs> but Brian is always great because Brian is always a half, uh, half excuse me, is always a glass half full guy, which I appreciate oh, in today's yeah. in today's world because we need more positivity as always. But Brian, listen, I mean, what's not to be positive about if you're in Raider Nation? We talked in our first segment about some fans who seem upset that the Raiders aren't getting more love. They also are sort of waiting for the carpet to be ripped out from underneath their feet. But, but tell them... Them, Brian, they're three and oh, two amazing comeback wins, overtime wins, including two at home. What's not to be positive about?
2: Ah, uh, that's what I'm talking about. First things first, uh, Scott and Moment, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. At a ball last time, I, I've been sitting by the cell phone waiting for the phone call. Like, <laughs> man, can I get back on the show? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I appreciate you guys having me on, but yeah, Raider Nation. If you need any kind of evidence to, to, to be excited and happy at the fact that your team is 3-0 right now, I, I'm here to give it to you. How about this? The Raiders played two overtime games in their only in their only games at Allegiant Stadium. So Raider Nation can think about it like this. You guys got free football for the <laughs> first two games. For the first two games in Las Vegas. I mean, what else do you want? I mean, other than the fact that they are undefeated. You got free football, so it's almost like you have A game and a half's worth of games in
1: just two games. Come on. I'm going to test your positivity a little bit, Brian, just a little bit. When the Uh Raiders fell down (laughs) 14-0 last week, when they fell behind last week, I saw the tweets on the timeline. People were thinking, oh, here we go again. The Raiders are going to lay an egg at home. I was actually calm because it was still early. But tell me, tell us the truth. Did you lift your finger to reach that panic button after a disastrous start?
2: Absolutely not. As you guys know, Here just, I need to have some T-shirts made because I really am a glass <laughs> half full kind of guy. <laughs> uh, I turned to Jesse, Jesse Merrick, who you guys know well as well, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he's a weekend guy at my station. So I thought to turn to Jesse and say, "Man, Jesse, listen. If they score a touchdown in the second quarter going into the half, they're all good. I mean, even down fourteen to nothing, if they score a touchdown on one of the possessions that would have made it fourteen to seven, let's say." then they're, they're all good going into the half, and that's all they need. If you go into the half 14-0, then maybe I might look to see where the, the panic button was at, you know, maybe locate it <laughs> to find where it's at in case I need it. But <laughs> they needed to score before the half, and they did that. And after they, they scored, uh, you know, what, they, they scored 25 straight points. 25 Amazing. straight points. Yeah. Yeah. And it started in that second quarter. So they kept me from, from reaching and looking for that, that panic button So I was able to grab some peanut M and M's, which they have a a, a plethora of upstairs in the first box, and I was all good. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I had plenty of those M and M's last year, uh, and 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 yeah. the thing the thing is, Brian, the, what we talked earlier in the show too for a lot of time actually about this because Mo and I are very passionate about it. Which is Derek Carr and his performance. I mean, everybody knows how well he's doing, but what we our assertion is we we see a lot of fans and a lot of people saying, "Well, yeah, of course he's doing better. He's got a better defense." And, and we keep saying, no, you're not watching him because you were at every game last year. I was at every game. We watched him in person. You went on the road as well as you are today down in L.A. Um, and But if you watch Derek Carr, he's not the same. He's better in every facet of his game than he was before. So, yes, the defense helps because he gets the ball in better position. And, yes, his wide receivers are, are clicking. You have Brian Edwards. You have Henry Ruggs III. You have, of course, yes. th- third and Renfro going. But I think it sells him short. We think it sells him short to just – say, well, no, he's always been this good.
2: Yeah, I think it does sell him short. Cause he's, he's getting better, and he is better than he was last year. To say that he's the exact same as last year is absolutely selling him short. Um, the fact that his defense is better means that the overall team is better, and they're getting wins, but Derek Carr has been good, and he has gotten better. Case in point, just think about the opportunities that he's actually giving Henry Rose III and Brian Edwards now. You know what I mean? Because Russ didn't have that many targets last year. Edwards didn't have as many targets last year, even though they both went their little went through their injuries, but they weren't getting as many opportunities. Renfro, third Renfro's always had his opportunities. But the big thing I see with Derek Carr as far as his maturity level is that one, he is really standing in the pocket and holding the ball a little bit longer to get to, to deliver passes to players and taking shots in his mouth. Like he's He's literally been getting hit a lot more this season. He's showing off his toughness, his accuracy. Man, I turned to Jesse again to to get him in the show as much as possible. I turned to him (laughs) a bunch of times during the game. I was like, man, that's a beautiful ball. Like, that is a beautiful – I remember a crossing route that Waller ran. I can't remember if it was a third down or not, but a crossing route that Waller ran. And Carr put the ball the only place that he could put it so Waller could catch it in stride and go and get a – beautiful accurate passing that he's done and he showed his toughness man so credit needs to be given to dc
1: speaking of credit to DC, i also want to and you spoke about his receivers a little bit i want to focus on rugs and edwards two second year wide receivers and we heard hype about them over the over the last couple of all seasons about you know these guys are ready to make the next step and so far it looks like they're up to the task and rugs had two catches that i highlighted i saw he had near the sideline where last year those catches may have been yeah. out of bounds this year he's got body control he's got the toe drag swag going he can pull in those catches near the sideline <laughs> I, I think that's impressive so are you surprised with rugs and Edwards how, how they've come along early in this season
2: Wow, I, I may have to steal that one from you, man. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, toe, toe drag swag. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Tony two touches with <laughs> I got Jesse all over. I'm quoting Jesse all day here, but he said that when he's doing the highlights. I love that as well. But yes. And I can actually specifically remember a play in which Ruggs, I believe, had a, a touchdown last season that he mm-hmm. didn't get his feet in bounds and it cost him uh in one of the games last year. So yet you can tell he has improved his game. He said before the season even started that he put on like 15 pounds of muscle because they got grown a men playing in the NFL. So mm-hmm. he needed to get a little bit extra muscle on there. And Brian Edwards is already all grown up. I mean, he has the power of Brian with the Y already. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he embodies that when he plays. Uh I those are two guys that absolutely need to have credit given to them and upping their game from their rookie seasons, and they both have played extremely well. And they've made Carl look good. They've, they've absolutely made Carl good.
0: Absolutely. Again, we're talking to Brian Salmon from News 3, uh, Las Vegas. He's on his way to Los Angeles to cover the Chargers and Raiders tomorrow night on Monday Night Football. And Brian, yeah. we, we we talk about the running game, which has not been great for the Raiders, but here's this guy, Peyton Barber, who I doubted. I kept, at, during the beginning of the game, I, I fully admit it, I was wrong. I would say, why is Kenyon Drake not getting more touches? But then Peyton Barber goes out, has a career day, 111 yards. How significant is it for him to develop and then to keep Drake involved in that passing game while Josh Jacobs gets better?
2: You know, uh... Let's go ahead and continue to keep the glass half full, baby. (laughs) Yes. Instead of focusing on the fact that that Jacobs seems like he's going to be one of those injury-prone kind of guys because the season just started, you know, and he didn't even play in the preseason, But and focus on the fact that Peyton Barber came in and made us think that he was the Barber that used to play for the Chicago Bears. (laughs) Who is this Barber guy? I've never heard of him. Uh, Why are you giving him the ball? Why are you not giving Drake the ball? Because he's on Brian Sound's fantasy League team. But, (laughs) but quickly made me shut my mouth, man, because he, he, the first half, eh, not so much. Second half, I don't know what they all told him and Gruden told him, but he came out and did his thing almost 100 yards in just the second half of play. I I want to say the very first run of the second half, it seemed like he carried half of the Miami Dolphins defense for like 10 yards. I mean, this guy's for real, okay. You see what you're doing, Barber. He had a magnificent game, and it allowed Drake to stay in the same position that he was supposed to be in as if Josh Jacobs was running the ball, and he could catch the ball out of the backfield, and he didn't have to be like an every-down back because clearly Drake is not, he's not going to be an every-down back for the Raiders. They need someone else to run the ball, ball and Peyton Barber was that dude for real.
1: So keeping the glass half full, and since we're plugging friends of the show, our buddy Evan Grove from Just Pod Baby said this season feels kind of like 2016 when the Raiders had all these chaotic late-game finishes and went 12-4 in, in, into the playoffs, as you know. Is it too yeah. early to say that this team is destined to, for another playoff run? Am I jumping the gun on this one, or, or am I on point with that?
2: Yeah, to, to use one of my favorite phrases as well, um, you do not want to put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I, I got I got a ton of them. I've been around a lot of old guys <laughs> in my time, <laughs> uh. sitting in the catbird seat and everything else. So no, nah, don't put the cart before the horse. I, I think it may be a little bit early to say that they're destined after just being three and zero, especially with an extra game. Because the the Broncos are also three and zero, and I. There's no way in the world I would say that they're destined to, to do anything this season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um and the Chiefs are one and two, and the Chiefs are definitely not destined to be in last place in the AFC West. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I would say maybe a little bit early. However, how, however, uh, if I can, uh, uh. if I can use Stephen A.'s phrase, <laughs> I used to work with him. I, I, I'd love to say <laughs> that I gave him that phrase, but yeah, uh, <laughs> we even went together at, at, at CNN Sports Illustrated way back in the day before he was. He was a big-name guy. Um, however, I would say if the Raiders can win this weekend, mm-hmm. or this, this coming Monday, tomorrow, in L.A. versus a Chargers team that is very good, Herbert will test the defense. Then, then and maybe only then, you can start saying, you know what, uh, this team is a viable contender to win the AFC West and do some things.
0: Yeah, and funny, I, d- I did a, a guest spot on a station in Kansas City. I said the same thing. I said, look, if they get this game against the Chargers tomorrow, which you will be at, is a big one. And, and um, to me, if they get past that one, then everyone has to take them seriously. And, Brian, we have about 30 seconds left with you. Uh, the game against the Chargers tomorrow, this is the most – I mean, they've played good teams. Obviously, they played Baltimore and beat them. But this is probably the most balanced team they've played thus far and a team that's been playing well coming off a of big – win themselves. What do they have to do to beat the Chargers down in the Raiders vacation home, also known as SoFi?
2: <laughs> Which is absolutely true. I, I'm fully prepared to when I get into the SoFi Stadium uh, tomorrow that the Raiders will be the home team. They'll be the most popular team in in the stadium by far. But what they need to do in order to win this game, I say if absolutely if Max Crosby and Yannick and Unique and Backway they can get to the quarterback put pressure on Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. I believe they can win this game. If they can do it with their front four, like they've been doing, and you know, make him get off of this spot, maybe create a couple of sacks and give the defensive backs an opportunity to make plays on the ball and be as good as they've been, then I, I fully expect them to win the game if they can do if they can do that. Derek Carr is gonna be Derek Carr, the receivers are going to continue to be as good as they, they've been, Waller's gonna be the baller, um and I, I really truly believe that the Silver Black can get this dub and will get this dub. Nice. In California.
0: There you go. Ooh. Of course. Brian yeah. Salmon from News3 in Las Vegas. You can follow him on Twitter at Brian News3LV. Of course, Brian with a Y, which Raider fans will remember because <laughs> of Brian Edwards. Brian, <laughs> man, again, we'll have you on real soon. We appreciate you spending the time today. Enjoy Los Angeles and all that blue.
2: Ah, all that blue. (laughs) You're talking about the blue sky. Correct. I I appreciate that. Silver and black in the stands. That's what I'm talking about. I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy some Roscoe chicken and waffles. Absolutely, because I got to get it anytime I go to L.A., baby.
0: There you go, Brian Salmon. All right, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Safe travels. (laughs)
2: All right, guys, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, big time.
0: Always fun talking to Brian Salmon. We, we love having him on the show. All right, Mo, we got about a minute left here before we cut out for the day. Chargers-Raiders, what do the Raiders have to do to win this one?
1: Uh, number one, they got to run the ball effectively. Chargers have given up the most rushing yards per carry, most rushing yards overall. On the other side of the ball, they got to contain Keenan Allen And Mike Williams, those guys are monsters on the perimeter. So Casey Hayward Jr., Trayvon Mullen, Nate Hobbs, got to be ready.
0: They got to be ready. And I'll tell you what, I I agree with your assessment. The only thing I would add to that, and it kind of plays into what you said, which is they have to start early and they cannot afford two quarters where their offense sputters. They got to come out and play four quarters of football offensively and defensive, they have to play a complete game because I think being down there, falling behind, would not be good for them. So, and I'm picking the char- I'm excuse me. I'm picking the Raiders to win this one. This is the game, Mo. This is the game that sets them up, I think, uh, for a great season. All right, uh, Mo, take care, man. We will talk to you next week. Hopefully, have four notes. So I can hold Brian to that <laughs> destiny question. <laughs> there you go, four Mo, Mo, and I'm Scott Goldbrands, and this has been
2: Silver and Black today, game day only on the Fan, Las Vegas.